Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone Know How to Podcast. As always, this is Zane. I got Al. The Niners are 2-0. It's another victory podcast. Al, things are good, right? 2-0. We're, we're happy about this, right? I'm going to start with this, I guess. Listen, when you start off the season 2-0 on the road, that's nothing to turn your nose at, right? That's no small feat. It's awesome. It's great. Did Philly give this game away this past weekend? Sure. <laughs> but you take the wins where you can get them. 2-0 is great. But big picture, I, I have some concerns about where this team's ultimately headed. And we've seen 49er teams start out 2-0 before, right? 2006, 2009. Obviously, this team is way better than those teams. But it could turn around quickly. It definitely can. And, and I'm a little bit worried what we're seeing from the offense. I'm still concerned about the corners. The running back room is beat up. And we're going to break all this stuff down. Where I think they can be carried is that front seven. And I think we saw that in this past game. But here's where I am, Zane. I, I'm nervous right now. They can turn me in the next two weeks. I keep talking about what are they going to look like going into the bye. Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona. If they win two of these three games, I'm sold. Sold. No matter how it looks, no matter how they do it, I'm sold. Four and one against those teams. But I have my fears, and it starts with that I don't know if the offense can keep up with teams like that. I'm riding high. I'm riding high, Al. Don't harsh my buzz, man. I'm, I'm we're, we're two and zero. Oh. The Niners look; they just spoiled two, not one, but two home openers. Okay, and that's really hard to do in the NFL for anybody because look at the at the beginning of the season, everybody is zero and zero at that point, right? Like everybody's healthy, they're zero and zero. Everybody's fresh, they're chomping at the bit, and that's why you see so many weird upsets and so many weird outcomes in the first week or two weeks of the season, and. Granted, you could say the counter argument to this is, yeah, like the Niners outcomes could also fall under this too, but I don't think so because I feel like they are a good team. And they were able to withstand like a random sequence of events in Detroit to win in a game that, frankly, like I was really never up until like the last two minutes of the game, never really like, you know, I, it was never in doubt to me, right? Like the last two mm-hmm. minutes were kind of tense, yes, but really like the rest of that game, I was totally relaxed. And this Eagles game, it just came down to taking whatever they gave you because they were just, again, the defensive line of the Eagles was far superior than that of the Lions. And there was a good scheme that their defense had. And on top of that, the Niners didn't have any healthy running backs, so they couldn't really do what they wanted to do. So really, like I look at these two wins and I'm like, yeah, there's a litmus test this week against the Packers on, on Sunday night. And then the next two weeks against your division opponents, and specifically like the Seattle game, that's always a good test because they are, after all, the kings of the division for, for now. But you have to look at all of these things as building blocks, Alan. And I'll, I'll quote Eric Davis. He tweeted out something this week that really kind of resonated with me. And it was very poignant and it was very true to me. And what he said was that all you have to do is be better than the team that you're playing that Sunday. And to me, that meant that who you're playing two weeks or three weeks down the line is irrelevant because when you're playing on that Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whenever it is, your opponent is the team across the sideline from you, not your, not the team that 
is on your schedule three weeks down the road. So for the 49ers, if you want to look at, if you want to live in a vacuum, fine, like that's, that's fine. People want to see him living in a vacuum. But if you look at their opponent on Sunday, which is the Green Bay Packers, that's a banged up team as well, right? They have Aaron Rodgers, you know that. That's a banged up team. That's a very poor defense. That's a team that Kyle Shanahan has gotten the better of several times when the Niners have been healthy and have had uh, decent quarterback play, except for the championship game. We, we know about that throwing ball eight times. So I'm very cautiously optimistic. I'm happy about being 2-0. I understand that there have been times where they've been 2-0 and then they've been, they tanked the rest of the season. But this team is different. They're far more talented. They're far more deep. And I don't share in as much concern as some people do about them being 2-0. The optimism I do have comes from this, is that they're a good team. Now explain what I mean. This past week, offense played like shit. They mm-hmm. didn't play well other than two drives at all. It was boring. It was, I don't know what the game plan was. They did not play well. But what happened? The defense, even though they gave up some yards, played big, especially that front seven in that goal line stand. Fred Warner, blue chip player making blue chip plays. He makes a play in the end zone in coverage, and then he takes tackle for loss. Jimmy Ward with the big play. Defense came up big and kept him in the game in special teams, and it was Javon Kinlaw with a big field goal block and just something as, as simple as Mitch Wisnowski, special teams player of the week, just punting. Well, <laughs> you, you know, giving, winning the battle, of the field position, they, it was an all around team win. That makes me feel better overall, because I think they can, these teams that aren't as good, I think they can beat them because they're an overall team. We'll come back to the offense. And I think this is what worries me more, more than anything else for now, even with the corners being beat up and that's good. We'll see what happens there as they play these better teams. But the offense to me looked really shaky in, in the first half. And here's this thing. And I think, I think what I want to talk about with Garoppolo today is there's just, everything feels bizarre to me right now with this team. I guess that's the best way I could put it. Zane, like the Brandon Ayuk situation is bizarre. The quarterback situation is bizarre. And this Jimmy Garoppolo thing, let me tell you sort of where, where people's the mindset is of people right now. Jimmy played like shit for most of the first half. Can you, can you argue with that? Yeah. I mean, he was, he was bad. I mean, he me, did not. He did. Me, I, I even tweeted out I'm like Jimmy sucks today. I even tweeted. He that did out. not until that drive. And I think the last drive before the half got him going with mm. Shanahan, you know, putting his foot on the gas and letting him throw. And I think they got Jimmy going and Jimmy played good. Jimmy played gutsy the rest of the game. I, I thought he did. Okay. But the first half he played terribly. Okay. And I tweeted out, and I maintain this, it's not like, oh, this tweet didn't age well. No, it, it was fine for when I tweeted it. This is the reason they traded for another quarterback, this kind of play, along with the injuries, but this kind of play. And in, in this bizarre sort of world that we're living in with these quarterbacks, the things people, someone told me, Al, how can you be so negative? in chaotic chaotic or whatever the hell they said he has a family how can you tweet something like that what he has a family attack him personally when did this player become above criticism that's the problem i have and i think and i know you've tweeted some things too like about people attacking him everybody's crazy right whether it's politics you have your people who are way too far left or way too far right and nuts whether it comes to jimmy garoppolo you have some people who are completely blind to his flaws and I think that's crazy or think that he absolutely sucks and I think that's crazy I don't think either one of those things are true but it's gotten to the point where like if you try to criticize him you just get attacked why, why are you criticizing him for what 
how, what do people say about Eric Armstead? Eric Armstead's a hell of a player who's having a hell of a year. He gets slammed constantly. Jimmy mm-hmm. Ward gets slammed constantly. But we, we can't criticize Jimmy Garoppolo? Why? If he plays terrible, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo playing terrible or Russell Wilson playing terrible or whoever, if you cover the team, like if that's your job, like we have a j- job doing this, we, we can't criticize him. Why? Because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings because he's your favorite player. It's just bizarre to me just to hear things like that. It's, it's like he did not play well. The Niners traded for another quarterback because of his injuries and his play. Because if you look at some of the throws that he made in this game, screen pass he throw he, he, that's terrible, I think it was to use check. Anytime he th- tries to throw outside the numbers, he can't do it. He's airmailing throws or he's not accurate. Like that's a problem. And I just think like, again, you could say, is he fine to win games with? Yes. They have a good team around him. He can make enough plays. Kyle can scheme around him. Great. But this notion that he's above criticism, give me a break. Nobody's above criticism. And I'm sorry if it's a hot button topic with some people because you love Jimmy. If he plays like crap, it is the job of people like us to say he's playing like crap. Just is what it is. Don't attack it like, oh, how could you say something like that? I, th- I think that's absolutely a joke. And I know that you that you're, you you get on about people attacking Jimmy. I think people get so frustrated because it's like he is above criticism. And anytime you say something bad about him or, or, or criticize him fairly, you have all these people coming out of the woodwork like, how can you say something like that, this, that, and the other thing? And are, that are just blind to the fact that his head coach replaced him. He replaced him and he tried all offseason to replace him. And the only reason Jimmy's playing is because the guy that they ended up replacing him with isn't ready yet. When he's ready, he's not going to play anymore. He's going to be on the team. So what are we doing? What are we doing with this? Yeah, I think that, honestly, I think what it is, there's a lot of PTSD from both sides because of what you just mentioned that, like, people that are criticizing Jimmy, like, they feel that maybe not this season, but accumulation of the last 24 months plus of uh, back and forth it's kind of like at a tipping point now where it's just like the, the we're at the straw that broke the camel's back point where it's just going to require very little to send people over the edge. And it's tense, man. It's tense out there. And I think that like it for myself, tense. yeah, for myself, like I, I pride myself on trying to be neutral and a lot of people are like, Oh, well you're complimenting Jimmy too much. And then when I criticize him, Oh my God, what are you talking about? So I'm like, okay. <laughs> what? And you'll see that you'll see that my tweets, I'm, I'm definitely more vocally critical of him. I'm definitely, more critical of his play uh, than I have been before. And those were all things that I thought before. But since, you know, again, people started to label me a certain way, I'm like, okay, well, let me put my thoughts out there more. Like, I always thought that he was limited. I always thought that Jimmy needed to be, needed to be developed more. And maybe he is what he is now, right? That's what that, at this point, we know that. But when we're talking about two or three years ago, at that point, I'm like, oh, maybe he needs to be developed because he does have limitations. But now we know. So really, Al, what it is, and, and like you said, I tweeted about this, Al, like, you have to understand that, like, the, at least for me, I've never in my life seen a player hated by his own fan base as much as Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not talking about, like, people like yourself who give, like, fair criticism, right? I'm talking about, like, just over-the-top, ridiculous criticism, like, oh, my God, like, he... Like a, a, like you could throw any rookie in here and he could do a better job. No, he can't. Because if that was the case, you would see Trey Lance playing right now. Or you could throw any player and you could do the better job. No, because Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard didn't do a good job. Oh, look at the receiver's reaction when Jimmy misses a throw. Have you seen Jerry Rice's reaction when Joe Montana or Steve Young missed a throw? 
We're talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Oh my God, look at Kyle Shanahan throw his papers up when Jimmy misses the throw. Come on, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you're analyzing player and coach reactions to, to, to a quarterback throwing a ball? Like, what are you supposed to be like? Come on now. Like, what are we, what are we doing here, Alan? This has constantly been shoved down people's throats by, by people who should know better for the last 24 months. So, yeah, people are going to be sick of it. Yeah, people are going to be tired of it. Yeah, people are going to be a little sensitive to that because you're seeing stuff that is basically being, number one, taken out of context. Like, oh, Kyle said this about Jimmy. Oh, he must mean this. And a bunch of tinfoil hat theories come out of that. It's like, come on, well, man. Well, like, what, Kyle Shanahan, not, not to drop you, but anybody who believes anything comes out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth. I don't know what to tell you. There's no more coach speak. I mean, he's he lies about injuries. He he lies about the quarterbacks. Like, come on, with with the Kyle said this or this person said this on their radio. If you ask a player something about another player, what are they gonna say? If you ask Jimmy about Brandon Ayuk, what's he gonna say? Oh yeah, he's in the doghouse. He's not gonna say that. He's gonna say yeah. You know, we're confident in him. He's gonna get back on the field. I mean, to read into what coaches and players say to me is is ridiculous. Don't read into what they say. Look at what they do. That that's what I think with situations like that. Of course, and and what they did was they brought Jimmy Garoppolo back. That's what they did. Yes, they they have his replacement here, but they didn't have to bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. Two point eight million to cut him, and they didn't do that. But saying here, but here's yeah, the, and, and and here's okay. So we talk about what did they do, and I think a lot of reasons why people are so triggered about you know why is Jimmy still here. Look at the off season. If you had your red and gold glasses off and you were looking at life through reality. They went after Stafford. They checked in on Darnold. They checked in on Wentz. They wanted Watson. When the Watson stuff, the legal stuff started to happen, they made the trade to move up to three. His own head coach spent the entire offseason trying to move on from him. The reason he's still on the team is because the guy they brought in to replace him isn't ready to play yet. So when you have a team that's good, like the Niners are good, you're just not going to get rid of a a quarterback just to get rid of him when you have nothing else behind him. If Lance was ready, right? If Lance was Mac Jones, and I know that's a, probably the wrong name to bring up, <laughs> but if Bill Belichick felt Lance Mac Jones was ready, okay, right? If Kyle Shanahan thought Trey Lance was ready, Jimmy would be gone. Jimmy would have been gone. Kyle didn't feel that, so you keep the player who you can win with, and you keep Lance as the backup until he's ready, which brings up a whole other set of issues, but. That's why I don't think they brought him. I don't think their actions were, oh, yeah, we're, we're bringing Jimmy back because we love him. They brought him back because they couldn't bring in a veteran, and the guy they brought in to replace him isn't ready yet. That's why he's I still mean, here. And I, I, I don't have an issue he, with that. I think he's okay. I think, he's, I think, he's, I think they're going to win with him, but that's why he's still here. I mean, if you want to replace a guy bad enough, Al, you'll do it. Honestly, that's, that, that to me is like, if they wanted to replace him that bad, they would end up. But, but they, they did. They did. But here's, uh, let, me finish, let me finish what I'm saying. But. They essentially pseudo did that with bringing Trey in, right? And I'm and I'm fine with that, right? So here's the other thing, right? The other thing to me that that really is making things really really difficult to deal with right now is that there are two polar opposites of groups right now, and the the moderate group in the middle is shrinking because you're you're forced to take a side, right? There's the group that's just like, okay, you can't criticize Jimmy, and then the group there's a group that Jimmy is total dog shit, right? There's right, there's two groups right now. Yep. Yep. Okay. And if you're not part of one of those groups, one of those, the, the opposing group will come after you, right? And I think that that's what's happening right now is that 
you know, for me personally, because I don't think that Jimmy is dog shit. Like they, they will, they will come after me and be like, Oh, what's the matter with you? Like, don't you see these throws? He's like, look, man, every quarterback is going to miss throws. Look, I, let me preface this by saying Jimmy's limited. Yes. He can't throw outside the numbers. Yes. We know his limitations by this point. Yes. He's going to be replaced. We know that. But right now, Al, everybody that is basically the, the, putting out the same criticism that they are beating a dead horse. We know about Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations. We know about what he, what he can and can't do. And what it looks like right now is a bunch of children throwing a tantrum, trying to get something that they want, which is Trey Lance starting or Jimmy out or whatever it is that they want. And they're not getting it. That's what, that's what it is coming off like right now. It may not be like that Al, but that's what it, that's what it seems like because every single thing, every single thing that, you and I have talked about on the show, his limitations, mm-hmm. his positives, his negatives. This hasn't changed since he's been here in 2017. He's the same guy. Like we've talked about it ad nauseum. And when people are, are like frustrated at this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you know who this guy is. You should know what to expect by now. So is he, uh, is he the most polarizing Alex, player in 49ers history? Man. I mean, it's in recent history. Yes. I would say Alex Smith, you know, Alex Smith was bad. That, uh, you know, a lot of people have forgotten about how bad that was. Um, pre Harbaugh, like the year, the off season that Harbaugh came in, and they decided to keep Alex Smith. Remember, they were fl- flirting with Peyton Manning at that point, and um, they decided to keep Alex Smith instead. Oh man, that was bad. That was really bad too. Well, that was 2012. They were going to bring in Manning in 2012. I don't. I wasn't doing this back then, so I don't really remember. I guess the most I was doing with social media was, was um, I guess, Forty Nineers Web Zone forums. Um, but I don't remember him being this polarizing. It's, I mean, yeah. Kaepernick got a little bit polarizing, not, not with the kneeling stuff towards the end of his career when he wasn't playing super well, mm-hmm. but not like this. This is, yeah. just, I mean, this is insane. So yeah. all right, we could talk about this for freaking ever. I think, but I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's a good discussion. Oh, one more thing I wanted to bring up and then we'll get off the Garoppolo thing. Um, and hold on. Sorry. I got to find it. So I have a Evan point so well. words, you, after you, after uh, you find it, I have a point as well. <laughs> okay. We'll just keep, just keep talking about it. Evan <laughs> Sowards, who, what does Evan do? 49ers hub? Is that what he does? Yeah. He's, 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 okay, he's, he's on his like fourth burner. Account. I love Evan. He's, he's, he's such a funny guy, dude. I he love is Evan. a funny guy, but he yeah. tweeted something I thought was just really thought provoking for me. And again, I don't even know where I stand on it. And you could take one side or the other side. This isn't about the argument. It's, it's just, I thought it was really, pro- really thought provoking where he said, he thinks Kyle's kind of backing himself into a corner in terms of Jimmy. And he talked about the 2009 Steelers, 2019 Steelers game. If you don't give Jimmy an opportunity to get comfortable with all the throws he's going to need to make, then when he has to make one that counts, he won't be able to. And he said, that's how they lost the Super Bowl. And I thought about it. And I said, mm-hmm. that's a great discussion point. Mm-hmm. Jimmy gets all the criticism as we're talking about right now. But you could argue what Evan is saying too. And, and, and I'll just give an example of it, you know, to play devil's advocate and, and look at this whole thing for the, for the point of a discussion. Kyle took the ball out of Jimmy's hands in the playoffs. Jimmy threw basically mm-hmm. 23 passes in a month, right? With the bye and the two playoff games in the Super Bowl, maybe even more um, or a longer time, I should say. And then he said, Hey, go win this game for us in the fourth quarter. Now you could take both sides of that you could say, well, the guy makes $25 million a year. He should be able to go win the game in the fourth quarter. Or you could say, yeah, what do you expect from him? The guy barely threw for a month for a month, and you didn't ask him to do this. You didn't ask him to complete throws to Emmanuel Sanders fifty down yards down the field, right? You have the training wheels on him all the time. Why not let him try more things downfield? And then you would say, well, when he does, he airmails him. So it's. But I just thought it was a really thought provoking thing, and we're knocking Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. But is Kyle doing anything to help that? 
and maybe look, the plays are there and, and, you know, people are open and, and, and we're not even going to do that with Kyle, but I thought it was really thought provoking. You know, are, are, is, are there two different issues here with it? You know, what, what, why is Kyle's, you know, Kyle is look, he's a really good coach, but he's also really stuck in his ways. Right. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ego there. There's a lot of stuck in your ways there. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting, and I wanted to bring that up as as a discussion point because I don't think that's with all this craziness with Jimmy, that's rarely an argument. I think it's a good one. Damn it, Al! I said this two years ago after they lost the Super Bowl, and everybody flamed me for it because everybody was on the Kyle Shanahan bandwagon. It's kind of funny because I've become much more warm to Kyle ever since then, and now people are getting cold towards Kyle because of the quarterback situation, right? But but I was saying the same exact thing that how can you expect a guy? to come in and win you a game when you don't trust him to throw at all. Like it just doesn't work like that. Like you, you can't, you can't develop a guy like that. And Kyle's job was to develop Jimmy. When he came here, 2017, he was on a finished product. 2019 was essentially Jimmy's first full year where he could be developed by Kyle. And I wholeheartedly believe that, yeah, Kyle did hold him back because Kyle saw things that he could win with. He was like, all right, cool. Let me just win with this. And we don't have to bother developing anything else. It's just do what he's good at, and that's it. And that doesn't help a player grow. And I'm not saying Kyle's a bad coach, and I'm not saying like, oh, you know, Kyle should be fine. No, I'm just saying that at the time, if we want to look back in hindsight, is 2020. That hinders a player's development. Like you don't get better as a player. Like Al, like you, you put your kid in sports, and I played sports, and anybody who's who's played anything competitively, you don't get better by only working on the things that you're good at. You get better by doing those things, yes, but also working at the things that you're not good at and trying to improve those things. You don't just say like, oh, like you're, you're a golfer, right, Al? Like if you can't hit your driver, mm-hmm. you don't just say like, oh, I'm just never going to use my driver. I'm ending up with like 550-yard holes, par fives. I'm just going to I'm just gonna not ever use my driver. It's just going to stay in the bag. Like that's just not an option. You, you, you got to improve that. You got to have that tool in your toolbox. And they just never, like they just never did that with Jimmy. Right. And I think that once we get away from this and once years have passed and we look back on on the Jimmy and Kyle tenure here, we're gonna see that even more and it's more apparent. But since we're kind of in the storm right now, we don't we we can't take a step back. So I think that's a really good point. I, I totally agree with what you and Evan said. Um, and I'm I'm totally on board with that. I, I did want to close the quarterback discussion with this point. We're so again, we're so much into like paying attention onto into what like Jimmy does is every move, good or bad, whatever it is, right? Both sides. Of discussion. If you ever go back, and I was watching old NFL prime times and I was looking at these, right? If you ever go back and look at even just the highlights of when Steve Young was the quarterback here, look at the amount of dumb decisions and dumb throws he makes. Like the, the 98 NFC championship game on that last drive, he had at least he had two throws where he completely missed, almost threw a pick on the throw preceding the Owens touchdown, right? Craig Newsom almost had it. He was trying to throw JJ Stokes down the sideline, down, down the right sideline. Newsom almost had it. It was an easy pick. J.J. Stokes broke it up, right? And Newsom dropped it. Uh, like several plays before that, he had Jerry Rice on an outcut, um, and Rice was wide open for a first down, and he totally missed him. Like it wasn't even close. Like Rice came open, and like you could see his reaction. He was like shaking his head after the play, and then as we know, like the play how how that that series ended, and Steve so made arguably the greatest throw in Forty Nineers history. Look at the could way you, that they could you imagine the, the Montana young Twitter arguments. Oh, people calling each other that, Montana stands. What the hell? That's I exactly that's that what I mean. That's what I mean. In uh, 1990, Joe Montana's last full season, he threw 16 interceptions, he threw 16 picks. 
Like, can you imagine if any quarterback today for any team throws 16 picks in a season? Like, that's it. Like, yeah. It has a diff- different era, though. You know, there were a lot more interceptions back then. Yeah, because defenders could do a lot more receivers too, right? Yeah, I totally get it. But, like, the thing is, my point is, is that even Joe Montana and Steve Young, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if you look at their play through a fine-tooth comb, you're going to find flaws, right? So I think that there's a balance here between, like, all right, what we see and going too deep into this. Yes, Jimmy is limited, but are we going too deep into this criticism and be like, all right, cool, like, are we criticizing things like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, body language and things like that. So I just want to put that out there. Everybody, please go back and watch Steve Young and Joe Montana play. They were not perfect either, but the difference was, was that when it mattered, they were able to get it done. And that's essentially what you want at your quarterback position, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, you know, whoever it is, you want that guy to get it done when it counts. And this wasn't a game where, where I thought they should have put Lance in just to put him in, right? Just to get mm-hmm. him right. Oh, yeah, just got to put Lance in. This was a game where I thought the offense is doing nothing, nothing at all in this first half. You don't have anything in your bag with Lance that you could come in just to get him thinking, put him in there for a couple of snaps, have him take a shot downfield. Just have him chuck one. I don't understand it. I didn't understand not using him in this game. And Kyle said some weird stuff when they when he was asked about it. Uh, what did he say with this quote? But if it wasn't because Trey is Trey is bringing a different element that we thought could help us against something that we're going against, there's no other reason that we would do it. He said some weird. He's just kind of talking around not using him. Quote doesn't even really make any sense to me, but. I was like, why, why wouldn't you give him some chances there? And the only thing I could think of is maybe he's thinking if he comes in and hits a 60-yard bomb, then it's kind of an optics thing. Like, can you really put Jimmy back in? I, I don't know. I just hope that – I'm sure he's he's trying to win the game. Obviously, he is. I just hope that politics don't come into this. And if there's a chance where, where Lance can come in and make some plays or just open the defense up or just do something different than go three and out, I, I hope they're going to put him in. I, I, I don't know where if it's just going to be a week-to-week thing or what it's going to be, but I, I hope that for the good of the team, if he could definitely come in and help in some packages, and I hope they do that moving forward. So I, I, I agree with Kyle not putting Lance in, and this is why. Because, you look, you have to be able to understand when and where to use him and when and where to build his confidence, right? This is a confidence thing. And for athletes, confidence is everything. And I understand, like, okay, he has to play to build confidence, but we have to pick and choose our spots here on the road against a, a really tough opponent. I think Philadelphia is better than a lot of people are going to think uh, against a really tough opponent in a really harsh environment in a close game. In my opinion is not the place to put your, put your prize rookie in there. I, I, I'm not saying that you need to baby hand home with like, you know, kid gloves, but we also have to understand that like, this is not like Madden where you just like plug a guy in and like expect that he's going to do something like, this is there's a rhyme and reason as to what they're doing and as an aside al do you feel like i just thought of this right now and this is this may be totally outlandish and totally off you know off the cuff but like do you feel like maybe kyle's doing the same thing in the quarterback situation that he's doing with like in the wide receiver situation like oh my backup is not better than the guy who's starting so i'm just going to give the guy the job who's who's playing better right now like do you think that there's like some sort of politics going on there like you mentioned I don't know. And this is part of the things we're like, I know Kyle still kind of got a Teflon thing going on. And look, I'm a huge Kyle Shannon. I, I love Kyle Shannon. I, I, I do. But there's just some bizarre shit going on with this team. 
And that Brandon Ayuk thing is another one. And first it was like, and again, just people just being oblivious to real life going on around them. When everything happened with Ayuk a couple weeks ago, oh no, it's the hamstring. Ah, Hamstring? He was returning punts and he played a decent amount. No, 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 it's the hamstring. And now it starts to come out that what people who, again, are looking at reality knew anyway, it's not the hamstring. There's more going on there. And Matt Mayoko, I don't know if you read this article today, it was in his overreaction column. Basically said, Ayuk, and he was talking about Trey Sermon too, but obvious to everyone in the 49ers locker room and obvious in everyone around the team. Other players at the same position groups have been better and more deserving of their roles. In the case of Ayuk, he were immediately elevated into a role of Trent Sherfield from the beginning of the season that might have caused some issues. Players want the teammates on the field to earn their roles. Neither Ayuk nor Sermon had a standout camp to prove the team is, is better with them on the field. Okay, I'm not at camp. I don't know what happened. Did you watch Brandon Ayuk play last year? Yeah, he did, right? Yeah, yeah he's fantastic. He's pretty damn, pretty damn good. And I've been on the Trent Sherfield bandwagon since he signed with the team that he was going to be a pretty good role player for this team, and I still am. I think he's be a good player. But Trent Sherfield's like a 35, 40 catch guy if he if he involves into this good role player. He's got 24 career catches. Brandon Ayuk, we were talking about is like, oh, is he the next Devontae Adams? He's going to catch 85 balls for this team, and now he can't beat out Trent Sherfield? That's bizarre, and there's more going on there. Is it an attitude thing? I don't know. Is he, is he lazy? I don't know. Is it a, Did he break curfew? You know, we, we, we don't know, but there's something bizarre going on there, and he was on the field, and he was opening. He didn't get the ball thrown to him this weekend, and I don't know if that was because of Garoppolo, but the one catch he did yeah. have was a great one. Yeah you know, the six yard catch, but it's, it's bizarre to me. If Zane, if they are going to be able to keep up with the Rams and the Cardinals and the Seahawks, you need Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. So to hear that is worrisome to me. It, and it, whether it's, whether it's warranted or not warranted, it's worrisome either way. If it's not warranted, obviously it's worrisome because you want your best player out there. If it is warranted, it's like, what this, this, this guy, this guy isn't working hard now. It's it's really, really bothers me. And you look at the way the offense, the passing offense, and Debo Samuel, who has been, I mean, MVP of the team so far, yep. 15 catches, 282 yards, mm-hmm. but he's got 56% of their passing yards. He has 20 targets. The next person close to him is George Kittle, who I also don't know what the hell they're doing with. Nine targets. And then Hasty and Sherfield have six, have six. Juszczyk has four, and then a few people have two. So... This passing offense needs to get more diverse. You need Ayuk. You can't have George Kittle catching four balls at the line of scrimmage. And Kittle, it wasn't just because he was blocking. He was out, and I think I read it was 88% of the routes. He was out. So I, I don't know why he's not getting the ball. You cannot win games long-term with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk combining for five catches for 23 yards on five catches. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and it's bizarre to me. And I think that's why I'm just like, yeah, we're two and oh, but there's just this bizarre shit going on. And this IU is just another one to me. Like, how did this guy go from this great rookie season? He's going to be the next big receiver. He looks like a number one receiver to he's got to earn his snaps. Where are we? What's happening? Uh, 96 targets last year in 12 games, 11 starts, right? 96 targets. And he's had a total of two targets this year. Two. Bizarre. It, right? It's just 
it's like Dante Pettis, just insert Dante Pettis's name into this and you could just interchange those are you Pettis? And I don't know what it is that gets guys into Kyle's doghouse. Brito was in there. Witherspoon was in there. Pettis was in there. The, just for whatever reason, guy, I, I don't know if it's guys that don't want to work hard or whatever it is, but Al, like at some point, like you, you traded three picks to get this guy. You spent three picks on this guy. Like you can't treat him like he's some back of the roster player. At some point you have to have some patience with him to be able to work through whatever he's working through and not be like, Hey, your roster spot, your, your job is gone because you may or may not have dogged it at some point during the offseason or whatever it was. Like, if he truly is your star player, then he needs a little bit of leeway to play with. I hate to say it, but that's that's just how it goes. Your stars get more leeway than the other guys do. That's just, that's how it is in every sport, on every team. And the fact that he doesn't have that kind of leeway, to me, the, the, overarching, the overarching thing about, like, this whole situation to me is that you're not valuing your your studs you're not when you treat them this way guys that are supposed to be your bell cow guys that are supposed to be like the the leaders of their position group you're not valuing them and i'm going to criticize kyle here a little bit because that shows lack of maturity it's like dude this guy is like you're supposed to ride or die with your stars and unless like he did something stupid like spit in your face or something like that or something like egregious you know, like Alden Smith and all that stuff and Ray McDonald and those things that those guys did. Like, you, wh what are we doing here? Uh, the George Kittle thing, Al, I, I, I think I have an explanation for that. So if you remember last year, Kittle had, uh, that was the game where he had 15 catches. He came back from injury in that game and he had like 15 catches, mm -hmm. like a ridiculous, like almost 200 yards and he just shredded them. So I, I totally understand why the Eagles try to take him away. But that being said, like he wasn't much of a factor in the first week either. So I'm, I, again, like I, I said at the beginning, I was cautiously optimistic and, and the cautious part of me says that they'll figure it out because as the season goes on, there's lots of ebbs and flows to a season and the season is very long and a lot of things can happen. Guys develop chemistry, all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, Kyle could see something in defenses that he can exploit. You have possibly a quarterback change coming up that can spread the ball around more, but I agree. The ball is not being spread around the way that it, that it usually is and we compare this to 2019, right? Like the, the way that they've started. It's not being spread around that same way either. And I see where your concern is coming from, but I think that my counterpoint to that out is there's something to be said about taking what the defense gives you. And I think that that's one of Jimmy's strengths, right? He'll take what the defense gives you. And at this point, maybe it's, it's just a matter of with running backs dropping like flies, with people dropping like flies, injuries, things like that. You're trying to just get out of games healthy and you're trying to nurse things to victory as opposed to like really trying to push it. And I don't like that because that's a scared way of coaching and playing. But who knows? That could be one of the issues, right? And I think that this week against Green Bay is a huge test for, for both sides of the team, offense and defense. Yeah. And so George Kittle is a top three tight end in the league, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I mm -hmm. think he's the most best all around, but even pass catching. The Chiefs have no issue getting Travis Kelsey the ball involved. And I, I know Kelsey's not the blocker Kittle is. But Kelsey had one game last season with under six targets. One. Mm -hmm. They get him involved. Darren Waller is a target monster for the Raiders. They get him involved. I just want to see the 49ers get their best player involved in the Super Bowl when he's in blocking, when you know, you're driving down the field. Get him involved. Make him a focal point. It's frustrating. And again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Kyle, Kyle knows best type thing. 
when the Niners make the playoffs for a few years in a row, I, I'll say I'll say Kyle knows best. You, you know, I'm not I'm not just going to throw up my hands and say, oh, I'm not going to criticize anything. Brandon Ayuk needs to be part of this team. George Kittle needs to be involved in the offense. Debo's been great. Keep it up. But you get all three of these guys involved, maybe you score more than 17 points. Just a thought. It's kind of a thought there. And you look at the Niners in 2019. They scored 17 points or less twice, both bad weather games against the Washington football team and against the Ravens. That's it. And they scored 20 in the Super Bowl and 20 against the Rams. Those were their lowest, their lowest point totals. So 17 for a Kyle Shannon offense with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's, that's not a lot of points. Get your people involved. And another thing that, again, a little bit worried about, they have two rookie running backs right now that are probably going to be their healthy running backs. Jeff Wilson's out. Raheem Mostert's out. Hasty's out. You talk about, oh, it's plug and play in, in Kyle's offense with running backs. Well, not really. If you go and look at the numbers, the only running backs that really average over four yards to carry with Shanahan have been Mostert and Breida. And Jeff mm-hmm. Wilson had a good year last year. But seriously, gold luck. Alfred Morris, Carlos Hyde, um, Tevin Coleman. A lot of these guys don't come in and put up huge stats. Last year when, when it was Hasty and McKinnon, I think they averaged like three yards a carry. And in this past game, it was just 3.1 yards per carry. So Sermon looked really good on that one run, and it looks like he's going to be available this weekend. Mitchell, we don't even know. But that running game, that's right now, it is another thing that you have to kind of be worried about. I know the Packers don't have a good defense, but what about the blocking part of it? If you just have rookies, you know, they need, they need, that's why I thought Wayne Gallman was going to make the team just because he was a vet who started before. Surprised they let him go. But that's, that's another thing we're going to have to see with this running back room. In the injuries, my God, I don't know how you're on running back six, <laughs> yeah, week three, you know. But it, it's another thing we'll 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 see in the next three weeks whether this is going to work or not with with these guys that are that are healthy. Yeah, I think that that to me, yeah, that's that's one of the biggest concerns because you want to be a team that runs the ball heavily. And the other thing, Al, is that if you want to play Trey Lance, I tweeted this out earlier uh, during this week, and if you want to play Trey Lance, like we're talking about communication with like the mesh point when you do a handoff or keep it on a lot of these read option things that, that they want trade running. And when you're thinking about that, there has to be a lot of communication understanding between the running back and the quarterback. And when both guys are rookies or both guys are new, like that's really, really hard to do. So that sucks because I feel like it's going to hinder some of what they can do with Trey as well, because you have a running backs are also inexperienced because the other thing is, is that you're not going to have a guy taking blitz pickup that may not know what his assignment is. And then your prize first round quarterback is sitting back there like a sitting duck. Right. So it's, uh, it's disappointing on many levels to me. I think that they, that they will figure it out. And again, like I'm just waiting for Jeff Wilson Jr.'s return. Cause I think he's fantastic. I think he's kind of the, the weapon X on this offense. Uh, like you mentioned before on the show a, a couple of times, nobody has more touchdowns in the last two years than he does. So right. I think that, or the two years previous to this year than he does. So I think that really they're, you know, they're Kyle, trying. Kyle Shanahan's whole tenure, he's got the most touchdowns. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Wow. So rotating running backs. I mean, I honestly, I honestly never thought they should have gotten rid of Brita. I mean, he had a couple fumbles at the end of his his time here, and I think that turned Kyle off. But I was I was a big Brita fan. Um, but regardless, we're, that's neither here nor there. So we're looking at uh, Carry On Johnson possibly getting some some run this week. Um, they signed a couple other guys off other teams' practice squads. I can't remember who they signed, 
Um, but uh, we're, we're literally scraping the, bo the bottom of the barrel here. And that's, that's a legit concern. However, the O-line, the offensive line has only given up one sack this year. And they gave up a total of like, it was like, I think they gave up two pressures in the, uh, in the, in the victory against the, the Philly, uh, the, the Eagles. Uh, don't quote me on this, but that's uh, something that something along the lines of two pressures, but I know they've only given up the one sack this year. So I think that's fantastic. Getting good. Yeah. I thought so, they kind of got worked a little bit against the Eagles. I, I thought I was a little bit surprised to see those numbers. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely better. And I think if that, Unit stays healthy. I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they would. That O line is going to be good. Yeah, you know what Hopefully. unit? You know what other unit <laughs> so, is, we'll is going to be pretty good? Is the corner the cornerbacks? Because I'll yeah, tell you why. yeah, and let's let's start going to some positives here because I think it's on the other side of the ball. There's a lot I'm really happy with on the defense right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll, yeah, make make your cornerback point because I got some thoughts on that too. Diameter Lenore. Okay, if you take away that that one ninety one yard pass, which Okay, fine. Rookie mistake, whatever. He 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 let the guy go by him, and uh, he he didn't really respect the speed. He got beat. Fine. Gave up the ninety-one yard pass. If you take that ninety-one yard pass away, the Eagles threw for a total of eighty-six yards on the entire day, and they completed less than fifty percent of their passes. So, specifically, Diamondo Lenore, like he has been fantastic in the first two games. He had a good preseason. He was the later pick. Like we thought, Ambry Thomas would be better. And Lenore has completely passed him. And I think that he's earned until, until he has a terrible game. I think he's earned the, the right to start opposite Emmanuel Mosley, who I think hopefully will be back this week, uh, getting, getting more encouraging news from uh, about him. But once Mosley comes back, k Williams, I mean, to me, I think k Williams has been the best corner <laughs> that the, the best to be the best DB the Niners have had this year, because you haven't heard his name once. You right. Incredibly underrated. Yep. Like, one of the most underrated players on this team and year in and year out, this guy is one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And people, I remember getting into this with Ravens fans, but they thought Marlon Humphrey was better. I'm like, no, at the slot position, you will find very few corners that are better than Kmon Williams at that particular position. He's continuing that throughout this year. So corners, once Mosley gets healthy, I know there's not a lot of depth there, but your starting group is going to look really solid. Josh Norman had a couple of penalties, but beyond that, he settled down. They didn't test him. I mean, I thought they looked really, really well given the circumstances. Yeah, I was really nervous about it, and I still am moving forward because, again, I think we're going to see as you go against. The Eagles have talent on paper, but Rieger, we don't know what he is yet. It was just Smith's last game, right? We, you know, we don't really know. Mm -hmm. So we'll see moving forward when you're playing against the Devontae Adams, DK and Lockett, all those weapons, you know, Hopkins and Moore and Kirk, all the weapons the Cardinals have. We'll see. But as for right now, yeah, look, Lenore for a fifth round pick, he's coming in starting and looks looks like a legit starter. It's a great pick. And another, just another one in the long line of good late round picks for this regime with George Kittle, DJ Jones, the list goes on and on. Um, so that's good. And and yeah, Norman, I was a little bit worried, but it, it seemed like it worked out okay. And, and we'll see what happens moving forward. I, I do worry about Mosley, you know, hamstrings can linger. We'll see if he stays on there and we'll see what happens there. But definitely... So far, so good with the corners. Still worried, but so far, so good. What stuck out to me and what continues to in the secondary, Ward and Tart are just good players. Just really good players. And I don't think they get the recognition or even with the fan base a lot. Like you're like, well, you get a guy like uh, Matho, right? For, for the Kansas City. He had two interceptions, right? On Sunday. 
He has the mm-hmm. pick six. Like he's a guy like all the honey badger. He sticks out, right? He makes these splash plays. Ward and Tart don't really do that, but they do all the little things, right? Good coverage. They're they're not going to get a ton of picks or pick sixes, but they're just so solid. They're just solid players. Do not get enough credit, and and they they help the secondary immensely. As long as they stay on the field, I think they can help balance out maybe the issues at corner. And Ward made a huge play in the goal line stand too. Really good players. Can't say enough about them. And, and Tart was somebody, you know, again, we're like, oh, he's not going to be there. So they'll play, you know, Hufunga or whatever. But you see what he does when he is there. He's a hell of a player. And you just got to hope they both can stay out there. Yeah, I think in Jimmy Ward, he also made that play in the end zone as well, uh, where they, they took a deep shot early on in the game. He made that play. So I feel like, again, the, the depth isn't huge. It's not, it's not like they're not a terribly deep group, but the starters are. Th- that group of DBs is one of the better groups that you'll see in the league. And the idea, and I think the hope from the 49ers staff is that they can get so much pressure with those front four. Like they don't blitz at all. Like they, they're near the bottom of the league in terms of like bringing pressure. And we see how the defensive line dominates. I mean, Nick Bosa, oh, man, what can you say about him? Just picked up right where he right. left off. Just, just a beast. D Ford has been really doing really well. Javon Kinlaw, like you mentioned earlier in the show, made, I think, Change the momentum of the game at that point with that block. Absolutely. Because at that point, it was already three nothing. You would go to six nothing. And then I think, I believe they came back and uh, they, they, the Niners scored a touchdown at that point or something happened at that point. I can't remember exactly what the events were, but like it changed the momentum of the game because the Eagles were driving down the field. And the defense is going to carry this team until the offense finds its footing. And I hope that's sooner rather than later. But Alec, I know what you're saying about the other teams in the, in the division and their offensive firepower, but the 49ers by far have the best defense in the, in the division. It's not even close. Well, and they're going to have to, yeah, they're going to have to be the deciding factor in those games. And the front four, especially like you said, Armstead's having a terrific season. And again, I don't care mm-hmm. if he's got a sack or not. The guy's got a ton of pressures. Pass rush win rate, according to Pro Football Focus, Armstead is fourth in the league at 25.4%, which is great. And Bosa's eighth at 21.7%. Now, Bosa's got home for three sacks. Armstead hasn't, I don't think, he's still disrupting. He's still making plays. Mm-hmm. D Ford has looked really good co- coming out. Um, you know, you have Ibukam who, who can rush the passer as well. Kinlaw, hope that knee holds out okay, but but he's he made a difference this week. He did. Did the huge yeah. block and, and, and made a difference on the defensive line. DJ, if they're well. going to beat these teams, this, this is a group that's going to help do it. It's you remember that game against the Packers last year, the regular season, or I'm sorry, 2019, the regular season game where the D line just absolutely destroyed the Packers offensive line and Rodgers could, couldn't do anything. Yep. They're going to need that this, this weekend too. And they can do it. It's, it's a great group. The whole front seven is group. Al Shire has been great filling in for Greenlaw. Fred Warner, like we said, blue chip plays. I talked about it earlier, blue chip player. That front seven is what is going to carry the 49ers for all the arguments we make about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The front seven is going to make or break the season. Yeah, I think so. Uh, DJ Jones as well. We forgot to mention him. He played, he was stout yeah. against the run. He was really good against the run too. They were much yes, better against big, the run. Big, than they were. big Dave's all American barbecue. Check it out. DJ Jones. Great sauce. Great sauce. Yep. Unbelievable. Um, I got to order more of that. Actually. It's really good. Yeah. But DJ Jones. Yeah. Another really underrated player. Another really good defensive player for them. He's one of my favorites too, for the team. Yeah, Street had, Street had a couple of tackles for losses too. So I think that, again, we knew this going into the season that this would be the strength of the team. We knew this. Like mm-hmm. they were so deep. And we're not even talking about guys like Zach Kerr, who was a really good depth piece and things like that. Like 
this this group until further notice will carry the team and i'm cool with that but the offense like you said yeah they're gonna have to they have to keep pace so uh i mean really quick i i, I can't wait to talk about what you think is gonna happen in green bay but really quick before we do game balls we couldn't do one last week it was the first first uh game of the year um and uh you and Javi had a good band session event session right so i think that we'll do uh, we'll do game balls this this week and uh i'll go first my game ball um goes to i mean he's been he's got he's number two in league in, or leading league in receiving yards he is second in yards after catch he is the absolute bell cow right now for the 49ers because they don't have any healthy running backs so they got to throw it to this guy devo he gets my game ball like he's been completely different he came in focus in the offseason he looks in shape he looks like a baby bolden to me and he's just it's it's just so, so fun to watch he's my favorite i always said even when Ayuk was drafted debo was my favorite receiver i maintain that he's my favorite point average receiver so debo gets my game ball yeah that's that's probably who i would have gone with but I'll, let me think all right i'm gonna go the defensive side of the ball and i think there's there's multiple guys you can give it to like i said ward lenore armstrad bosa I think I'm going to give it to Kinlaw just because, like you said, that blocked field goal alone just changed the momentum of the game, mm-hmm. right? Just having a talented guy out there on special teams, all three phases count, right? All three phases are important. He came out and he made a huge block. I, th- I think I agree with you. I think it changed the momentum. I gotta, I'm got. i going to go with him on that, and hopefully he's healthy for the rest of the year and, and can make more plays. So I'm going to go with a – yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say – May not be an obvious pick, but I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Kinlaw for the game ball. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and the more game balls he gets from us, that means he's playing well, right? So that that's a good thing. Absolutely. All right, man. Looking ahead to Green Bay. So, uh, they the Niners are playing Green Bay again at Levi's for the fourth straight time, which is kind of funny to me. And last year was just a total wash. It was that week, the the game on a short week where they had four starters out from COVID, and the NFL totally effed the Forty ers and mm. they they hung in there actually for a good portion of that game, and they were never able to pull it off because again, backup quarterback plus your other four starters that were missing the COVID. Ayuk being one of them, Trent Williams being another one of them. So it's going to be a very very different outcome this time around. I think um, that was essentially coincidentally Al. That was the last game that they played in Levi's before having to move to Arizona last year. So right. yep, this one here, home opener, ninety four red throwbacks. By the way, that's going to look awesome on national tv i can't wait to see that you got aaron Rodgers and a wounded green bay team they're missing they're missing bakhtiari and their the backup uh as well didn't pack didn't didn't practice too, too much this week but they're missing their top pass rusher and they look terrible in week one against the saints granted it's a week-to-week thing and they didn't look too great against the lions it took them a while to put the lions away as well mm-hmm. so al what i mean what are we looking at here you know, I picked them to lose to Green Bay when the season started, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, or when we did the, the show predicting the records before the season started. So I'm gonna pick them. I'm gonna stick with the pick. I'm gonna say Green Bay wins the really? game. Really? Um, yeah, I, I don't feel super confident about it because of what Green Bay has, because Bakhtiari's not playing, because Darius Smith isn't playing. Um, I think the Niners' defensive line is gonna make life rough for Aaron Rodgers, but. Look, I said this game was going to be a loss three weeks ago. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. Um, I don't feel good about the prediction, but I'm, 
going to say that, yeah, two, Niners are going to be two and one after this week. Nah, no, nah, I think they'll be Green Bay. I think it'll be close. And I think that what's going to happen is that the Niners are going to try to establish the run. It's going to be, it's going to be probably another ugly one, I think, because they, I don't know if they'll be able to establish a run, especially with Trey Sermon, like almost dying with this first carry. And can you rely on him? Like, I was like, man, when he, by the way, when he took that first carry, I was like, yeah, that's a huge hole. Great cut pack. And it's like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> like It got worse because he fumbled it. And like, he got, as soon as he got hit, I'm like, oh, well, he's out. And he got knocked down. He's down on the field. I'm like, well, that, that sucks. And you have Hannon who came in like literally off the street on Wednesday and he's taking carries. So I think that if they can't establish the run, it's going to be difficult, but I feel like there's enough to be gained from the passing game that we haven't seen before, like with Kittle. And I think Ayuk hopefully will play a, a larger part. Sherfield will play a larger part, I think as well. And you're going to see a little bit more aggressive game plan than you saw before. Philly has a good pass rush, so they open a lot. They open the game with a bunch of screens and short passes. I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I think they'll hopefully get Jimmy on the move and out of pocket as well. He's been pretty good when he's done that, and I think that the offense will have a much better showing. They'll bounce back and they'll get the win. You mentioned Kittle uh, per NFL Communications. Kittle on Sunday Night Football, thirty-five catches, five hundred and seven yards, and three TDs in four career games. And last time against Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. Six for 129 and a touchdown. So it could be a George Kittle breakout game as well. Um, and if that happens and the defense plays well, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm really wrong. I hope they're four and one come to buy. And if they are, listen, I have no issue ever saying I'm wrong. I will come on the show and be like, I was wrong about the team, but I'm nervous right now. So, and you know what, Al? The defense has played so well. You know what the crazy thing is? Them for they haven't forced a turnover. Greenlaw. Greenlaw had the pick six. Oh, sorry. Greenlaw. Besides the Greenlaw pick, they haven't forced a turnover. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only turnover that they forced this season. They're like one of the best defenses in the league. Aside from that one play, they have not, they have not forced a turnover. So I think that they're primed. I think they're primed for a breakout game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to do what he does. You're going to see a lot of quick throws from him. He's going to get rid of the ball like before the, he's going to try to get rid of it before the pass rush gets there. So it's going to be like, all right, make the tackle. First guys, first guy there either has to make the tackle or slow him down. That's that's what it's going to be. And again, that's why I say it's going to be like one of the possibly an ugly game. It'll be a take what they give you sort of game. So I do think the offense is going to be better than we saw this past week. But how much better? Marginally better? Way better? We'll see. I think the Niners will pull it off. I think I have confidence. Home opener. Again, like they've been waiting a long time for this. <laughs> waiting almost a full 12 months to play in front of their home fans. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be loud. Kyle has Matt LaFleur's number. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be a, a, good, a good game. Yeah. I hope I definitely hope you're right. Obviously I, I don't want them to lose. Um, and I hope you're right, but I'm gonna stick with that original prediction. So, all right, Zane. Um, let's see, man. Let's see if, if this team starts changing my mind. Um, and some of the stuff that I think is a little bit bizarre kind of fades away and, and we're just ready to go here and win some games. So hopefully it's going to happen. We'll see. You got anything else? No, man, that's it. Let's see. One of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong next week. I'm going to say tie. Yeah. And I hope it's you. I hope you're the one who's right. So we'll see. All right, so. guys. For Zane, this is Al. See ya.